0: With me is John Stopford, Head of Multi-Asset Income at 91 in London. And John, it's that time of year when people like myself pull out the old chestnut of looking back at the year. But I think it's actually very important this year because it's been such an extraordinary year for so many different asset classes. And two asset classes that have been quite extraordinary are the capital markets and and the currency markets. Because everything's changed, everything changed. Everything that you've been used to as an asset manager was turned on its head in the last year
1: yeah and no, i think that's right i mean obviously we've got very used post the global financial crisis to very cheap money so negative real interest rates in some cases negative nominal interest rates and the sort of inflation shock of the last year and particularly sort of post the russian invasion of ukraine has meant that central banks are now playing a you know a different tune policy has been tightened very dramatically and that's led to a significant repricing of of all asset markets
0: yes and i think if i can simplify it so that i can understand it what's happened is the dollar has had an enormous move against uh, for example the euro but also the dollar index interest rates have risen and that's because of inflation so all those three things have come together and as i said in my introduction and i'll repeat myself we haven't seen this for ages what has it meant for
1: you Uh, Well, it's been, I think, pretty challenging for all investors. So, unfortunately, normally markets, you know, some differentiation in performance, but this year, pretty much everything has gone down together. So, not just sort of traditionally risky markets like the equity market or the sort of sub-investment grade corporate bond market, they've all gone down, but so have the sort of traditionally safer assets of, developed government bonds investment grade corporate bonds and so on so and actually the sell-off in some of the things that normally are regarded as relatively safe has been as dramatic as as many of the things that are typically viewed as risky so that that I think has been the big sort of shock for for markets and investors I think um, an analyst recently put out a piece saying that for a conventional balanced fund so a, a fund investing in a combination of bonds and equities, it was the worst performance in 100 years. So fairly unprecedented, pretty dramatic, but also reflecting, I guess, a very stark change, particularly in the inflation outlook globally. So we've gone from central banks worrying about not having enough inflation, inflation being below target, to inflation being substantially above target and continuing to rise. And so that that has been, I think, the big shock and the, the reaction of central banks to that raising interest rates aggressively has sort of shaken the foundations of of financial markets, at least for this year.
0: Yes, I mean, we're only in the, at the beginning of, of December. But just to summarise what you said, it's been a synchronised sell-off. Instead of the bonds doing one thing and therefore the equities doing something else, they've all done the same thing. But signs of change, John, I mean, we, we can look back and we, we don't need to go through uh, where inflation came from and where it went to and where it is now. Uh, what we need to do now is say that the winds have changed, but certainly the breezes of change seem to be blowing through the markets at the moment compared to the previous 11 months.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, certainly if we start with inflation, which has been sort of front and centre, you know, there have been a a number of waves of inflation. So the first wave was really about a supply and demand imbalance coming out of the pandemic. So people buying lots of goods, but essentially factories not being able to, to meet the demand because they were, you know, still partially closed down and inventory was run down. And so that just pushed up the price of lots of goods. We've then had housing boom, again, sort of linked to some extent by super loose policy and and largesse over the the pandemic, so lots of money chasing lots of houses. Then we've had an oil and a food price shock linked to Ukraine and the Russian invasion. And latterly, it's then all been about wages and service sector costs, so higher inflation leading to employees and unions demanding higher pay rises, and then central banks worrying that that just will exacerbate things or perpetuate things. But slowly, each of those is beginning to unwind. So the goods price inflation is now sort of turning to at least disinflation, possibly deflation. So there are too many goods and not enough demand anymore. The sort of housing boom is turning into a bit of a bust. Mm. Uh, so house prices in lots of economies coming off quite hard on the back of higher interest rates. Even the sort of fuel and food price rises, you know, they've stabilized and, and sort of come down a bit, still at elevated levels, but inflation's about rate of change year on year. And, you know, year on year, they've stopped going up. And in some cases, they're coming down. So I think we've got, for example, the lowest gasoline prices in the US since February. And then finally, you know, the, the thing that central banks are waiting for is some softening in the labour market, some rise in the unemployment rate off the back of higher interest rates, leading to softer wage growth and removing that threat to inflation. That's really, at the moment, the missing link. But I think the amount of tightening they've done, it would be surprising if it didn't slow the economy further in the first part of 2023. And so it would be surprising if we didn't see some increase in unemployment and some decrease in wage rates next year.
0: And also inflation. I mean, I'm going to round up some numbers here, but it seems to me that 10% inflation, which we saw in various developed world and indeed less developed world uh, markets, let's call it around about 10%. That has probably become a thing of the past. And again, that's me talking, not 91 talking. I think the the, the British pound against the US dollar, I think it went to 103.30 at one stage after a fairly disastrous policy decision, which we need not go into. It's now above 120. The euro dollar was merrily below par. Uh, I think it was something like 97, 97 and a half, but now back to something like 105 as we pre-record this. And the bonds, I think the 10-year bond yield in the States... Do I remember it at something like 420, and now it's at 350, 360? Are these numbers that I've just described, as I said, a thing of the past?
1: And then you could also chuck in the stock market. So yes. S&P 500, for example, was down at sort of below 3,600 and is now back above 4,000. So, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, optimism beginning to creep in that the worst is past. And we do think inflation is probably going to come off quite hard Over the next 12 months, I I think, you know, there's a risk that markets might be running a little bit ahead of themselves in the short run simply because, you know, we haven't really seen the impact of higher interest rates on growth yet. Uh, And we think, you know, typically that operates with a lag and it would be surprising if we got away without a recession in developed markets next year. And I think that's going to be a challenge for equities. So we would expect earnings to decline and and much of the sort of fall in equity prices this year has really been about a repricing of interest rates rather than expecting a fall in earnings. So, the equity markets still have got that to digest. I think there's more room for optimism that gains in bond markets can be sustained simply because we know that inflation's probably peaked and is going to come off. We know growth is probably going to slow and we, the Fed are now indicating and other central banks that you know, we're getting towards the level at which they might at least pause in interest rates. So we can sort of see the top in, in the interest rate cycle probably for this market, and it's not too far away. And so a combination of falling inflation, falling or sort of peaking interest rates and weaker growth, that's typically quite good for government bond markets mm. and higher quality bond markets, less good probably for some of the riskier parts of the world. And then also, you know, if if the Fed stop raising interest rates and one place we haven't really talked about yet, China, and if, if China is sort of reopening, potentially we are around the sort of top in the dollar. Uh, and that takes quite a lot of pressure off the rest of the world in terms of price and rate pressures. So, yeah, so I think I think there are definitely grounds for optimism, whether we've sort of run a little bit too far, too fast, you know, in the run up to uh, year end, you know, there might might be a bit more noise. But I think next year should be a better year for government bonds, particularly selected government bond markets where policy is now pretty tight. And you're seeing the, the impact of that on things like the housing market. So, we would sort of highlight economies like Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Korea, Sweden, where, you know, they had pretty leveraged, pretty uh, overborrowed housing markets that are, are very rate sensitive and are now feeling the pain. So rates there might even be coming down this time next year. Elsewhere, the US is now getting a little bit excited, maybe a bit too early in terms of peak rates. The dollar could be a bit noisy, but I think, yeah, we, we would tend to think it's it's probably close to peaking. And then, as I said, the place we haven't really talked about is China. And there, I think there are grounds for optimism that actually, finally, the Chinese are, are likely to move away from uh, a zero COVID policy and are more focused on sort of stimul- re-stimulating growth and that combination should be helpful for emerging markets, for commodity prices, and possibly for a weaker dollar.
0: So what I'm getting from you is that there's cautious optimism because of a concatenation of circumstances that could unfold in 2023. And therefore, uh, without giving too much away, John, are you sitting down writing your 2023 projections to to your clients? And if you do that, will it be, right, we did this in 2022. 2023 might be slightly different.
1: Yes, I think it is going to be different. I think you need to be slightly careful. So the the biggest difference, I think, is there'll be more differentiation in asset price performance. This year, everything's gone down together. I think next year, probably equities still need to go down further again, just because of earnings, particularly in developed markets, particularly probably in the US. But there might be more grounds for optimism in some asset classes, which got pretty oversold this year. So, you know, parts of the global bond market, particularly the sort of higher quality end parts of emerging markets, possibly even including, you know, equities in some emerging markets that are sensitive to Chinese growth and so on. So I think the message for 2023 I would give is it's going to be noisy still, but there are going to be more opportunities than this year. There's going to be more differentiation. So it's about picking you know, your battles, picking your opportunities. And there are definitely some things that are, that look pretty interesting and where the you know the weather is maybe turning a little bit more supportive or a little bit more helpful.
0: What an intriguing prospect for 2023, John. Thank you very much for your analysis. John Stopford is head of multi-asset income at 91 in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position